0: I'm your host, Jen Ramsey. As a coach with a love for metaphysics, science, spirituality and strategies that get results, I'll help you step away from self-doubt and create a powerful new story for your life, business or career. Join me. Hey everyone, it's Jen Ramsey here with Freedom Unlimited. Welcome to our episode this week where we are featuring Jay Rothman from Arizona in the US. Jay, thank you so much for joining us this week.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate the invite.
0: Oh, Jay, you were just always on my list for this show. And before we start, I just wanted to give everybody a little bit of an overview of who you are and what great company we're keeping today. So Jay is a certified transformational health and wellness addiction and corporate coach. He's active in workshops, private groups, and does coaching individually and corporately across the globe. As a leader in inspiring people to improve any aspect of their life, Jay is a motivational speaker and a retreat facilitator. He also hosts three web TV shows, is a two-time uh, number one international author, and also a blogger. And I'm proud to say Joe is also a really great friend of mine. So I'm so happy to have you here on Freedom Unlimited and um, and to be my very first guest on the show. So thank you so much for being here.
1: You're welcome. It's an honor and a privilege for for me to be to be here with you and and uh, be a part of this new experience. Welcome to the world of broadcasting.
0: Well, thank you, Jay. It's been a long time coming and I'm excited to be here. So um, as you know, this show is all about freedom. It's about finding more freedom within ourselves so that we can feel more happier, more, more confident and more inspired to do those things that really matter the most to us. So Jay, I just wondered if you could give us a little bit of a backstory in terms of where you've come from, and um, really how you came to find more freedom in your life. I'd just love to hear a bit of that story.
1: Sure. Well, I, uh, I spent most of my adult life uh, chasing what's called the, the modern American dream. Uh, from the time I got out of university, I had one focus, one goal, and that was to make a lot of money. Be successful, mm-hmm. and that was my driver. That was my motivation in my life. And in my mid twenties, but at the time I was my mid twenties, I already had a- achieved some great success for a young young lad, as they say. And um, I was off to the races and running, and 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 basically spent uh, over three decades. Uh, defining myself by the success I had in my career. Uh, I was in corporate America, sales and marketing. Eventually, I made it to senior vice president in a corporation down in Southern California. And through the process, I met a beautiful woman. We uh, had three have three sons together and spent close to 30 years married. And through the experience of growing up together um i lost myself i lost myself because i had an understanding of of what my role was at work and at home and it didn't include taking time for me it included mostly focusing on every everyone else's needs priorities and i had this um this ability, I thought, to help people and um, always looking to lift people up. And in in doing so, what happened was I myself got lost. Uh, Not that I knew who I was in my early 20s. I I was already just uh, the roadmap was laid out for me. And I was just chasing it, uh, knowing that no matter how much I had accumulated, no matter how much wealth I had, no matter how many cars, no matter the homes, the furniture, the clothing, the vacations. And I say clothing, because I loved, as a man, I loved nice clothing. You know, I loved, I was in suit and tie most days and I enjoyed, I enjoyed that aspect of living. However, no matter how much I had picked up along the way, inside, I was very lonely inside. I was not at peace, I was lacking. And by the time I woke up, uh, I had a first major crash. I was 48 years old and I was traveling across the United States for for business. And I had a heart attack and I, this is back in 2008 and I, I thought Again, I had the part of the belief system I had was well, I just needed to change two things in my life, which was uh, change my diet, quit smoking, and go to the gym and exercise. And I did that well for about two years until life showed up one more time, and things got difficult at home, things got difficult at the office. And I threw away what I refer to as my emotional sobriety. I went back to Unhealthy food eating. I went back to smoking. Um, I threw away everything that I had worked for. I, the forty pounds I had lost, I gained the forty plus twenty more. So by the time I woke up in two thousand and fifteen, I was literally um, in the hospital one more time, near death. Except this time, it was I had accumulated. I had picked up. More medical conditions along the way instead of having one that we were aware of. Now I now I had nine. And any one of those nine oh. should have and could have taken me out unknowingly. That's incredible. And so, and so began my healing journey. Mm. So it's kind of interesting.
0: You know the 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 healing angel knocked on your door, you know, at what at 48 and and you to give you the heart attack and so you got on, as you said, you got on that sobriety wagon, but then you you dropped off. What was the thing that perhaps caused you to go back to that lifestyle that wasn't supporting you?
1: Well, I was I was in emotional pain, you know, and my 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 marriage was uh, going through a very difficult time, the most difficult time that we were together, and um, and and it was stressful as well at the office and just all of it, you know, it's kind of like an alcoholic who has what they call that effort moment when they just say effort, I'm, I'm just, I just need a drink. Mm. And for me, it was like, I I gravitated back to the things that I thought were providing me comfort. It was, it was an illusion. It always is. Comfort is an illusion. It's it really, you know, the things that I was reaching for, um, really word were not providing me comfort or calm or stillness or ease. It was just providing me the illusion of it in the moment, like an instantaneous satisfaction, but it never lasted. It didn't have sustainability. And so um, it was just a stress. And what I hadn't learned through the process was that Disease, all disease is just a symptom. It's just there to show us that there's something way bigger going on within us, and I wasn't taught that. Um, That's it. They say,
0: taught- they say by the time it actually gets to the physical body, it's it's been living in our energetic field for quite some time. Exactly. But we have that very hard knock on the door to, to remind us of what's going on. So what happened?
1: Well, when I... When I woke up in the hospital, I was now at one of the leading hospitals in in the world, Cedar Sinai Medical Center in Beverly Hills, California, and I, I had close to a week as they did two major procedures on me. Uh, and and during that time, I I got to really, you know, it's kind of like when people are facing mortality mm. in that moment. I really got to, I had plenty of hours laying with all kinds of catheters and tubes from from my neck down to my, down to my legs and down to my ankles. And I I had the chance to really assess my life and assess where I was at. And I had a defining moment. I like to refer to as perhaps my first spiritual awakening in my life. And that moment was, the question came to me, which was, Do I want to live or do I want to die? And in that moment, uh, I kind of had some clarity. And the clarity was, well, if I want to die, what does that look like? And the answer was very clear, crystal clear, was that just go home, recuperate from multiple surgeries, and just keep doing what you're doing. And perhaps I had less than a year to live. I didn't need a doctor to tell me that. The handwriting was on the wall. My body was in shutdown mode. Mm. But then I had the next part of that that question was, well, what if I want to live? What would that look like? What would I have to be willing to do? And the answer became abundantly clear, which was I'd have to basically rebirth myself. I'd have to allow myself to die, metaphorically speaking. So that I could be reborn, because uh, I knew then that I didn't know, I didn't know who I was. I only knew who I had become, and I hated that man. I did not like myself. I, I realized that I lacked integrity. I lacked empathy and compassion for others, and um, I just was miserable mm-hmm. with myself. And so, in that moment, I I knew what that meant, because I knew that. If I, if I went home and I stayed doing what I was doing, I would have, um, you know, like people talk about when they die, the, the legacy that they want to live, they want to leave. And I was embarrassed, truly embarrassed by who I had become as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as an employer, and as an employee. And I knew that there had to be more to my life than what I had brought forward. At this point, I was 54 years old and I didn't know what it could look like because I, I, had, I didn't know how to live. Mm. I didn't know how to thrive. I spent a lifetime really surviving. Now, From the outside looking in, it looked like I had a pretty good life. You know, it, it really did. Um, it was, again, it was the illusion. Uh, Smoke and mirror is a summary photo of it. Yeah.
0: And it's that, that yes, it can all look fine from the outside. I've experienced that myself. It can all look fine on the outside, but it's the inside that, yes, if you don't, you, you can be churned up. If you don't even know who you are, as you've said, it's just a, it's a very frightening place to be, isn't it?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting you say that um, because I always felt like, I was very fearless. I made a lot of career moves. I made a lot of moves that many people wouldn't have done in their life. And I really, I really thought that I was fearless. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I faced death that I understood that, in fact, I had been living a life filled with fear. I just hit it, I just maxed it. Yep. by distracting myself through addictive behaviors. Now alcohol and the drugs were were not my problem. It, it never were. But I had other addictions that I would lean into to distract myself from feeling all of my emotions. And I would bury my fear by making decisions and choices that gave me permission to avoid having conscious awareness of the fear that was always prevalent Mm.
0: it's it's incredible isn't it those sort of behaviors we can go into it's it's almost i liken it to an asleep versus awake state and even though we feel like we're awake we're actually asleep to the fear and we're asleep to what that's actually doing to ourselves in our lives so what a what an incredible turning point for you to come to so what was the decision? Well, look, clearly the decision you made was to live. What what did that look like? How did that how did that play itself out?
1: Well, I had to um, be willing to change every aspect of my life. I decided not to um, stay in my marriage. I decided not to go home. I I didn't physically go back home to my wife. Uh, we separated, and and eventually we divorced. Um, now, the, the fears that I had leading into making the decision to, to leave and all the other choices that I made moving forward were, a lot of them came true. A lot of the things that I was most fearful of did happen. But what I learned through the process of healing was that each one of those fearful thoughts that became some realities for me were were growth opportunities. And and through each painful moment that I experienced, it, it presented an opportunity for me to truly get to see how strong I am. And that I'm not as weak as I thought I was perhaps inside. Mm. And through that process of healing, I, what it came down to was that I had to surrender. I had to say uncle. I give, I give up. Mm. I had to be willing to acknowledge that the belief system that I had lived my life by and all the choices that I made was was one that I inherited from my ancestors, but one that was no longer serving me because i was I was not at peace with who i who I was. And so uh, it was such an sh- amazing process of uh, of of healing. And I refer to it as mind, body, and soul. And it started two days after I, I left the hospital. I started, I got real busy real quick on my healing journey immediately. It's fantastic. It I, want to, became, it?
0: I want to hear about that, but I just want to acknowledge you before we go into, because I'd love to hear those steps of the healing, healing journey. I know there's some really significant moments in there because we have spoken about this before. But before we do that, I just wanted to really acknowledge you for the courage You know, to come, that's a very vulnerable place to be lying in a hospital bed, facing death, and then to make that decision to really live for yourself. But the fact that living for yourself would look very, very different and would be a very different lifestyle, even down to not even going back to your own home, which most people in that scenario would, Jay. Most people would have gone back, but you didn't. So there's a real courage And a real lion heart in there that that I feel when I when I speak to you and I hear that story.
1: Well, thank thank you for acknowledging that. I'd like to share that about three months post um, that period. I remember it was like yesterday. I know I know right where I was. I had a conversation at the time with my wife and on the phone and. I, I let her know that it's, it's over. I'm, I'm not coming home. And, um, she shared with me, it was a very healthy, intimate moment for us, which was at that point unusual because we hadn't had that in so long, Mm. but I shared with her what I felt and she share with me that she was not in agreement with it and she was willing to do whatever it took to save the marriage. And this was a very defining moment for me as her husband, as a man, as a father, because it was a f- one of the first times I, I believe that I had the courage to set a boundary with, with her. And, and I said to her, I said, you know, I will, I will always love you and I'll always do my best to respect you moving forward. Um, however it's for me it's it's no longer about saving a marriage today it's about saving my own life and I don't I don't I know that I can't do it if we stay together I need I need to I need to explore and figure out who I am not who I want to become there's a big difference there you see because I wasn't interested in reinventing myself, recreating myself. I just wanted to get to know who I was at my core. Uh, some refer to it as the heart space or the soul. Because I had, I had lost myself. I had yeah. lost who I was at my core decades earlier when I was a, a kid. And ego, my ego space, which ego we know lives in the mind. Ego was running my adult life. You and I knew, I didn't know, I didn't understand all that at that moment, but I understood that, um, it, it was, if I, if I, if we stayed together, it would be very difficult because we had been in and out of therapy and marriage counseling for over two decades, 21 years. I had been in therapy and, uh, At that point, you know, I had, you and I talked about this a number of times, Jennifer, that I had been diagnosed back in 1995 with generalized anxiety disorder. And I was put on two mental health um, pharmaceuticals, antidepressants to manage anxiety. And what I didn't understand then either was two things. One was that the anxiety, again, was just a symptom, really wasn't the root at what my problem was. And being on pharmaceuticals for 21 years destroyed some important parts of my body, my system. It was causing all kinds of havoc unknowingly. And the saddest part is that through all those years of seeing therapists, there were were no answers. There was no real true guidance. I just went there, I purged my frustration for the week. Time would be up, go home, start the process all over, accumulate new stories. Uh, most of the time, I'd go in there. I was, I'd be talking more about my wife than talking about how I was doing, how I was feeling, um, how I was managing my myself. Those conversations weren't happening, and so it was unfortunate. There are some good therapists out there. I just, I just never happened to have the, the gift of working with one. I, um, I didn't have that experience. Mm. So. It's-
0: I know and that's I, I hear you and I understand that and, and yes like you have been on that journey with anxiety and it is a symptom of a, of a, of a different issue of a bigger issue and you're right it's it, but I guess for whatever reason you had to be on that journey and it took that time so you know all power to you and I think that's the other thing you're really demonstrating here is your commitment to yourself and your tenaciousness even if you're in that perhaps what we call that a sleep stage before you had that spiritual awakening you still had this commitment to yourself there was still this desire to move forward and, um, and then clearly when this happened you had the, the very severe medical situation and then you you made that very clear change and then three months later as you said you you had to have that very authentic and real but very intimate conversation that that was almost that was in some way sounds like it was a defining moment for you to be so authentic in that moment and so real right then. That, do you consider that the turning point or a key part of the, the process?
1: Not really, because I already had made the decision, um, mm. it, the decision. Really, it, it came to me from within it, it. wasn't something that I really thought about. It was just a knowing mm. it's just, it was a knowing. And it was like, it's, it was one of those things that, um, for me, um, it wasn't something that was negotiable. You were clear. You'd made You're at the I knew decision. what I. I knew what I needed, and I knew I knew what I was. I knew what I was giving up. Yep. In but order to, I was giving something up in order to get something back in return, which was my own freedom, freedom within, Perfect. freedom unlimited. That's what it's all about. So,
0: yeah, that's exactly it, and it's a big decision. And I think here, one of the things that that I talk about a lot is this notion of creating a making that decision point. It's one thing to sort of have a vision of your future or whatever it is that you want, but it's actually the decision point. That's It's that very clear, as you said, it was an internal knowing, but it's a conscious decision that I'm going to turn right here instead of left and I'm going to actually live my life in a different way, which which you've been sharing so beautifully. So uh, tell us then a bit now about that healing journey and, and and a couple of the key points of that along the way. I know there were some very... Mm-hmm particular things that you did that have made all the difference so I'd love to hear everyone to hear about those
1: well the I mentioned surrender I mentioned mm-hmm. that I went into surrender mode I went into um acknowledging having any awareness that my my light my guiding light had dimmed years mm-hmm. earlier my guiding light was a belief system that I inherited from my ancestors as I mentioned earlier and I was willing to have a, a ceremony for myself to to gift them back to my parents and my great grandparents and my parents' grand- grandparents, great grandparents and great 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 grandparents. And and knowing that it was no longer serving me, not to hold on to anger and resentment and blame for my life, but to learn how to accept that. Um, Everything that I had experienced was necessary Mm. for me to reach this pivotal moment. And part of the surrender was it was about having courage to change and knowing how to um, begin to have the courage to express my feelings in many different ways that I had never done before. And I walked into my first 12-step rooms for myself, a program called Al-Anon to unhook my addiction to my wife, Um, I had to um, really, let's say, um, learn how to take care of myself because I never did. I never knew how I was so busy focusing on my wife, focusing on my three sons, focusing on my staff at the company, focusing on my clients. Uh, focusing on everyone but myself and and I never gave myself permission to to know what self-care could look like and feel like and so now was it was a beautiful time laid out for me because I was on medical disability and I had the free time and so I put all of my limited energy into learning what self-care can look like and feel like mm. and Through that process, it took some time, but through the process of showing up consistently every day, practicing, doing something I had never done before, so practicing what self-care can look like and feel like, it included emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. It wasn't me just focusing on one thing. It wasn't me focusing on having to lose any weight. It wasn't me focusing on going to the gym to exercise to, to get my cardio up. It was my willingness to try anything and everything differently than I had ever done before. So I didn't go to the gym. I chose not to step into a gym. I didn't want to be in an indoor, enclosed, controlled environment that lacked freedom. I wanted to be out in nature. Now, how did I know that? I was led there. Mm-hmm. I was led to a an incredible beachside community. Um, I fell in love with the ocean, the shoreline. They had this amazing path that I could walk or ride a bike for 25, 30 miles every day if I chose to, and I did most days. Um, I learned how to eat differently. I learned how to exercise differently. I learned for the first time how to pray. I, I didn't know how in my lifetime. I left my religion when I was about 14 and never looked back. So I had a very self-willed life. I didn't I didn't have much faith or trust, didn't believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found spirituality early on in my healing journey. And uh, I remember at the time I, I asked a friend who today is my fiance, I said, how do you pray? Like, what does that look like? <laughs> Cause the only prayer I knew how to do was one that wasn't even spoken in my language. So I didn't even know, you know, it was a, it was a present, had no meaning to me growing up. And so I got to really uh, explore all aspects of, of my life and, and how I was choosing to show up for myself on a daily basis. And through that process of self care, for me, it was an aunt, the antidote, I started to feel better emotionally first. And I started to have these little, these little mini breakthroughs on a daily basis and pretty regularly. And over a short amount of time, I, I started to like how I was feeling emotionally. And I also saw that I was losing weight. Eventually, I, I lost 60 pounds. Wow. Um, I went from like a 42 inch waist down to a 31. Now, of course, I wasn't in it to really lose weight. I was in it to save my life. Now, losing weight was just a bonus, um, but I was, I was in it to reverse disease. I had significant conditions that Western medicines to this day still would say to me, you're a very complicated case. And what that means, I'll break that down for someone that may not understand the language that the doctors talk, was when they refer to you as a complicated case, it means that they don't know how to treat you. It means that they don't, they don't know what to give you or what to do for you, so they're you're basically you're you're you're, an ex, you're just one more experiment, mm-hmm. and um, and I got educated pretty early on in a healing journey, and I made a conscious decision that I wanted out. I wanted to step out of Western medicine, and I started to get educated. I started to study. So I was doing self care in the mornings, and I started to embrace self improvement in the afternoons. I'd study. I'd go on. I'd go online and I'd find I'd seek I was a a truth seeker, I was a, a seeker to learn how to heal and and, and and because it was just this this inner knowing that, I kept saying, "Is it possible? Is it possible that I could reverse disease? Is it possible that I can heal? Now we're not talking about healing from like an acute uh, flu or or a virus or a cold. what I'm talking what about yeah I'm talking about chronic diseases that should have and could have taken me out and should have. Mm. And so through that process between self-care and self-improvement, I started to have some major breakthroughs in my life. And eventually I started to like myself. And through that process, it became the gateway for me falling in love with myself. How fantastic, Jay. And look, and what I love about what
0: you've just described there is that it's not, it didn't happen overnight. It was a it was, a, it was a, obviously it happened over a relatively quick period of time compared to the time span leading up to it. But there was something different you did here in this sort of healing journey that was different from after the heart attack. And it was these. It was understanding that you needed to get to know yourself and to become this level of comfort to yourself. But was surrendering to the way life you thought life should be or the way you'd been brought up for life to be. And this notion of I'm going to be here, I'm just going to get to know myself right now and I'm going to take it. It sounds like it was just baby steps and each little step allowed you to feel a bit better. So success breeds success, as they say, so that you could then start going on to the next bigger breakthrough. So how powerful is that? It didn't have to happen overnight. It could just be this this evolution, if you like.
1: It was just, you know, yeah. And, and it was a knowing it was, it's just like I had spent a lifetime. Look, I was a pill junkie. I wasn't addicted to drugs, but I was a pill drunk junkie. I was always sick. I always got the shots. I got the vaccines, Mm -hmm. but it didn't stop me from getting sick. I had chronic sinusitis. I always had uh, bronchitis. I had colds. Uh, I traveled a lot for business, you know, internationally and across the United States. Um, But I was always sick, but Mm. I also was on what's referred to as the sad diet, standard American diet. I was a food junkie. I was addicted to fast food. That was the business I was in. I was in restaurant design my whole career, and I got hooked on that food. I got hooked on the box food, the processed food, the fast food, and I would eat you know, twice a day, Monday through Friday. When I was traveling, I was eating that food, breakfast, lunch, and sometimes dinner. Wow. And, uh, you know, so I was, I was causing massive damage to my, my body on the inside. Um, I smoked, I worked, I was a workaholic. So that was one of my addictions. I had a food addiction. I had the work addiction. I was, you know, minimum day was 10 to 12 hours and a really good day. I was 15. And if I was really pushing it and really flying high, I was going to pump, pump out 18 hours in a day. And I would reward myself with that, you know, with another lousy mm-hmm. comfort food meal, another cigarette. Mm. And, um, and through it all, you know, what was behind it? What was the root, the root addiction for me was the codependency. Um, and that was, that was really the root disease. And so part of my healing journey was it wasn't just the the physical part of walking and getting in nature and learning how to connect with myself and learning how to connect with the dolphins and the seals and sometimes the sea otter and the birds just incredible moments of just connection at the uh, shoreline. But I also had to learn to connect with myself and understand what I was feeling and to be able to communicate those feelings. And really what saved my life too was going to these Al-Anon meetings, I learned how to have the courage to raise my hand and to share every aspect of my story, even parts of my story that they really didn't welcome there. They didn't want me to talk about um, because it, it wasn't related to Al-Anon, but it was another addiction that I had. But in that, in that experience, of, I would go to Al-Anon meetings twice a day, consistently. And when I needed the third meeting, I'd do a third meeting. So I book ended my days. I had an early morning meeting. <laughs> I had an evening meeting. And if I was really hurting, I'd go to a noon meeting. And I did that for a year and a half, consistently wow. every day. But through that process, I learned, I learned how to cry as a man and um it was just uh it was so healing
0: yeah wow jay take a breath on that that's a big breath there that's all about stepping Mm -hmm. into your vulnerability and into your your really deeply who you were in front of a group of people that's a very and again another very courageous action that you took guided i'm sure by your inner knowing but wow that's I, you, I didn't know that. I hadn't heard that before. So, and that's that real commitment to yourself that's coming through as well. But the power there is in, I think what you're saying to me there is the vulnerability, sharing what was truly on your heart and in, your, in you know, what was true for you was actually a very healing thing and to get to know yourself through that process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And what was, what was beautiful about it was that as a married man, I had spent, so much of my time blaming now my ex-wife for my woes, mm. always seeing the things in her that frustrated me, the things that I didn't like in her and th- and really putting the blame on her for my unhappiness. Yep. And through the healing process, what really helped me was when I embraced this idea that, that came to me, It didn't come from the 12-step rooms, but I refer to it as the four A's. And they are awareness, acceptance, the third one, which was very powerful for me, which was accountability, and then the fourth there was action. And for me, what accountability meant was was that for the first time in my life, I was willing to show up and grow up. That I was no longer willing to blame my wife. I was no longer willing to live in the shackles of blaming my mom and dad, which I had done for decades. And it was time for me to to hold myself accountable and say, you know, acknowledge, yeah, I did those things. Mm. I I said those things, I did those things, and I held on to all of it for, for years. And I chose to hold myself accountable now. Let's keep in mind that that doesn't mean that I went into shame and guilt. That's not what accountability for me meant was that I could acknowledge, yes, I said those things. I did those things. I was, I made a lot of missteps in my life. Yeah. However, accountability, a healthy accountability is about acknowledging I did those things, but I did them because I didn't know how wounded I was. I didn't know that I had a whole lifetime of, what I refer to as inner shadows Mm. unhealed wounds, unhealed moments, pivotal moments, traumas, experiences that had defined my life as an adult. And I was, all I was doing was carrying them with me internally, living an unconscious life, sleepwalking, yet, um, never holding myself accountable for my choices that would bring me short term, quick hit comfort, but were very damaging to myself and my loved ones. That's it. And so, accountability really was uh, a keynote gateway for more significant healing.
0: Absolutely, and I would I would agree with you. And I think on my journey, it was exactly the same thing. It was when I, and when we look at and go, because it's easy to throw the blame out elsewhere, as you said, to your wife, to to your kids, to the job, to the parents, whatever, to all the external situations. But when we finally realize that actually as much as we think we're a victim or actually a perpetrator on other people, and and to own that fully, and you're right, not to self-flagellate and not to go, oh, my God, and to go into a whole lot of judgment after that, but actually just to own it, be clean with it, be clear with it, be accountable to it, and then be aware that that's not the way you want to live moving forward. And that sounds like was a very significant jumping-off point for you then to the to the next level of your healing.
1: It was, it was the, what that led to was the last A, which is action Mm. and action for me was, was really, it came down to just learning how to show up consistently every day, learning how to set healthy boundaries for myself, learning how to say no, thank you to somebody else. Cause when I say no, thank you, I'm actually saying Thank you to myself. I'm learning how to take care of myself. And what that process did was it, it allowed me to learn how, when I say take care of myself with that, I'll break it down for you in a language I know you understand, which is it allowed me to learn how to parent myself because all along, I'm now a 54 year old man. And here I was just starting to understand that, that little boy inside that I referred to as JJ. JJ. Um, was still alive. He still was a little boy that was still scared, frightened, still had temper tantrums and meltdowns, still was get hungry, lonely, angry, tired, and bored, and was his whole life just looking for someone to love him, someone to take care of him. And I spent a lifetime seeking that. Looking for yourself, yeah. And wanting someone else to make me feel better. I remember, I think I was married for about 10 years, and it was one of the, times that I had the courage to really have an intimate conversation with my wife. And I remember I said to her, I think it's about 10 years in, I I said, you know, I'm I'm really, I'm not happy. I'm, I know we're together, but I just, I'm not happy. I feel, I've got this like, this, this inner feeling, I feel empty inside. You know, I refer to it today as the black hole of the soul. And no matter what I would put in it, you know, no matter how much success in life I had, The hole was always there. It was still empty. And I remember saying to her, uh, I don't understand why you you can't make me feel better, why you can't make me happy. And in that moment, it was perhaps the most profound statement she had ever shared with me. And she said to me, well, she said, well, what is it that you need from me? And I looked at her and I said, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And she said to me, here we go. There's a setup. She says to me, well, if you don't know what you need from me, how do you expect me to know? I can't read your mind. And here was my only answer I had for her because this was my truth in the moment Mm. because I didn't know what I didn't know. I said to her, how could you not know? You're my wife. You Mm. say you love me. How could you not know what I need? And there right in that moment, we were at a significant crossroad because nothing changed. I just got sicker I just got the marriage got sicker with me That's and it. eventually, um I shut down, she shut down, we weren't communicating it was a lot of a lot of um, hurt and pain in the home and um It's, it's okay. You know, what I learned through this process is I love feeling today. Yeah. You know, I, I wrote a blog when I started blogging, um, at some point during my healing journey, I wrote a blog, real men do cry. And I started to give myself permission to do just that, to cry. Wow. And initially the, the tears were tears of pain and sorrow and regret. Uh, some resentment, some feelings of injustice. But I got to work through all of that. And through the process, what I I learned was that I had never been given permission to cry. It's not how I was raised in my home. And, you know, for the first time in my life, I gave myself permission that it was okay. And I learned how The tears eventually, you know, today, most of my tears are tears of gratitude for how far I have come and for how far my relationships have come.
0: That's right. And how to fully experience yourself. I think, and it's, and it is, it's, look, this is a, and it's a very tough conditioning, conditioned model for men in terms of, well, men don't cry and so on and so forth. But with that, with cutting that off, you're cutting off an, an essential part of yourself. And you're not able to experience yourself fully. So the power of this is that you took action and you're able to talk and really truly experience but be okay with that dimension of yourself that you'd probably hidden away for many, many years, that little part of JJ that really did want to express and did really want to be seen and acknowledged and and be okay for feeling like crying. Because we have this, we're human, we've been given this wide gamut of emotions to experience, haven't we? You know, it's not like... We've said you're gonna use emotion A to Z A to A to A to P, you can't use from P to Z. So it's about how can we experience all of that? So what a powerful journey, Jay, for you to to go on. To just come to that space of allowing yourself and allowing and accepting. And this is again a very core principle to the work that I do is this. This really deep level understanding of allowing and accepting ourselves to be exactly who we are in every moment and others as well. So powerful. So what happened next?
1: Well, through the process of of healing, um, and the healing was the the emotional, the mental, the physical, and spiritual, I, I didn't just focus on one area. I knew that if I wanted to have balance in my life, I had to focus on healing all of those aspects I refer to them as the four pillars and so it was it was uh, it was a, a daily reprieve is what I got and each day I I showed up no matter how I felt and I got uh, tagged after having multiple surgeries in, a sh- in less than a week I had an allergic reactions to anesthesia which of course the doctors say doesn't happen but it happened uh, my doctors say oh i never heard of that before and I'm like oh it happened I ended up with um, chronic fatigue and brain fog for 17 months. And so my ability to work 12, 15 hour days was gone. I couldn't do it. Even after I had recovered, so-called recovery from surgeries, I didn't have the the stamina. I didn't have the endurance to do that. And I had to learn how to accept that I couldn't show up the way I used to, which ended up being the greatest gift because it taught me that, uh, I knew at some point, I think it was about the 12th month Inuit that I said, you know, I, I think God's got just a funny sense of humor because I think what he's doing is, is he's teaching me um, that I could live and, and I could live without working 12, 15 hour days. And he's probably not going to give me my my energy back or my my brain function back until I, until I have experienced what life can be like, not working like an animal. Mm-hmm. And learning how to take care of myself. And you know, it wasn't until uh, I hit the seventeenth month where uh, I was blessed with my energy back. a brain fog still lingered. Um, not as bad, but um, it lingered. And then eventually uh, I got it back a second time, pretty bad. I had a, I needed to have another procedure done. And I uh, told them I didn't want to have, uh, go under. Could I, could they give me something just to, you know, that anesthesia because uh, I didn't want to have the same reaction. And I said, yes, but, so they gave me a local, but what I didn't know at the time was they gave me the same anesthesia drug as a uh-huh. local that they had given me as a general. So I ended up with a brain fog and, a, and the uh, chronic fatigue all over again. And, but this time, the second time around, I was able to, to work through it a lot quicker. Um, I jumped into, first time in my life, uh, really heavy heavy load into acupuncture. I was going, I think three or four times a week, I found an authentic acupuncturist you know, from overseas and just did every, he didn't just do acupuncture, he did cupping, he did all the other um, modalities that can accompany acupuncture. And that really helped me. And then the second thing I did was I uh, eventually did went into a, a major water fast. I did uh, just shy of three weeks. I was just starting on my 20th day of being on a water fast. I had juiced three times, eight ounces of, of, of juice. But other than that, I was uh, no food for tw- uh, 19 full days. And um, I did some major brain repair during that, as well as some other repairs. But you know, when it was all said and done, um, the end result was I did so much healing of my body, of my mind, of my soul. Uh, I faced my shadows from my childhood, and um, you know, I I smile as I say these words because so many people are fearful of it. That's why they're afraid. They're mm-hmm. afraid to to do the work because they're afraid. They're afraid of how they're going to feel. They're afraid of What's going to come forward, um, but I could tell you that the greatest gift I gave myself was facing the shadows. By facing the shadows, i i got to uh, I got to heal my body. I got to reverse diseases. I got to uh, experience what healthy intimacy can be like with men and women all around the globe today. And um, I've got. I got to learn how to 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 show up and grow up. I got to learn how to take care of myself, how to listen to my needs, how to express them. Eventually I became a blogger. Last week I released my second number one international bestseller on in Amazon bookstores as a co-author in a book. I I launched uh eventually I, I wanted to launch um shows like what you're doing here. And my first show is a show called Real Men, Real Talk Raw. And then I launched a show for people that stepped out of traditional Western medicine and have self-healed from chronic chronic diseases, terminal diseases like cancer and autoimmune diseases and mental health. And and then I launched another show for people that have survived abuse to come forward and share their story. So three very powerful platforms, uh, being able to give... To, to pay it forward and, and uh, provide inspiration and hope for those that may be still suffering in pain, emotional and physical pain, and, uh, and hear stories of inspiration to, to, to provide them um, courage to possibly step into their own life, to, to, to take it back and experience what freedom can truly feel like. Now, we're not talking about physical freedom here. We're talking about emotional freedom, freedom within, freedom to experience what inner peace can feel like.
0: And that's that's exactly right. It's that core. It's that core freedom within ourselves, Jay. I mean, I, it's it's what happens inside our minds and the perspective that we have on our whole life. The our external life doesn't necessarily need to change for us to feel an incredible level of freedom and an incredible level of 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 just different perspective and and love for ourselves. So. I agree with you, and, it's, and as you said, you've done the hard yards and now you're able to pay it forward with these incredible shows. One of the things that I wanted to just touch on before we close, because it's such a powerful part of your story, was, was when you were with the very eminent doctor and he wanted to do a, a procedure on you, a bypass procedure on you, and you you chose not to. And I just would like to, if we could quickly just recap on that a little bit, because I think that's sure. To me, this is like a a beautiful snapshot of of how you harnessed everything within your toolbox to actually create such significant healing.
1: Okay. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to bring me back there Uh, because it is a huge part. It's not a huge part of my story. It's a huge part of our story. And the story I'm talking about is our ability to heal, our body, our Bodies have been engineered and built to heal and what's happened in society, not just an American society, but progressive societies around the world is through media, through government and through medicine, they have created a society of people that believe they are weak. They don't, we're not taught in homes, doctors are not taught in medical school that our body has a full capacity to heal, even from stage four metastasized cancer. I have met so many men and women through my show, Real People, Real Health, that have in fact, not only defied their odds as I have them, but they've survived cancer Given six months to live, and today they are cancer-free. That's called NED—no evidence of disease. How does that happen? Well, how that happens is that to begin a healing journey, we have to change our mindset. We have to rewire our brains, and when we re- when we do the healing on on our thoughts, on our experiences, and how we talk to ourselves, our body will respond. So our body is responding every day. If we're talking negatively. About ourselves, to ourselves, it's feeling about, it. Yep. It's that disease creates disease, mm. and so we also have the flip side of that. The contrast is is that if we change the story, we change our life. We can heal. That's, That's a it. term mm. called radical remissions is real. Mm. It happens.
0: Tell story. What happened? What happened with you? So,
1: so what happened was I had just come off of a vacation. I had been in Arizona really for the first time for fun and pleasure. It was July. Of 18, and uh, the heat of the summer, and yes, we did 15 hikes. And while I was hiking, I, I had pain in my right leg, which is not unusual because one of the one of the surgeries I had was my right leg had been a um, my main artery, my iliac artery was 99% blocked back in 15, so they had to do a bypass to my leg. And my other leg was 90% blocked, so they could save that that artery, and they did a stent. Um, and what happened was when I, I came back from Arizona, a week later, I was uh, back at the hospital for my semiannual testing. And the doctors, uh, well, the radiologists found that uh, my bypass in my leg was 100% occluded. That means it was 100% blocked. It was not working. Mm-hmm. And so now this bypass that they had done, the, the, they bypassed my first major artery, which was the iliac. So now they went in through my, what's called the femoral artery. Now that artery is now blocked. So now I have no major artery. I have no artery to fuel blood from my hip down to my lower extremities, known as my toes. However, they did uh, what's called an ABI blood pressure test at my ankle. And they found that I had a blood, blood pressure of 70%. And the doctors were like, well, this makes no sense. You should be at zero. Matter of fact, you should be in a wheelchair. And it makes no sense that you just came off of 15 major hikes in extreme heat. It's impossible. Something is going on. We need to keep you here today and do some testing and figure out how it's possible. And I'll tell you what. I remember uh, I had the test done, and then uh, Mary and I – Walked down the main street in Beverly Hills and went and grabbed a bite to eat because the doctor couldn't see me till later in the afternoon. And plus I had to wait for the test results. And I was so angry. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was, I was like beside myself. I'm like, this makes no sense. I, I did everything that I was supposed to do right. I was the perfect patient, A plus, right? And I should have gotten up to 10 years for the, out of this bypass. And I hadn't even gotten two years. What's going on? Mm. and it took a couple hours and till we got the got the answers and i was i was blown away i couldn't believe what had happened and what had happened was eight months earlier i was introduced to a film called Heal documentary kelly gores who today is a, fr- a friend of mine uh, was a filmmaker and in that in that movie she had some brilliant scientists that a part of the heal documentary. And he taught me how to basically create a visual um, a new blood flow in my body. um, Because he had self healed from six broken vertebrae from a bicycle accident when he was in his 20s. And he did it without surgery, he was in wheelchair. And, and I figured if he could do that with his spine, then I can create my own blood flow, I could create new vessels, new veins to fuel blood through my body. And so what they found was, I had they had identified two brand new vessels that were not there eight months earlier. And it was a week, eight months earlier was about the, the same week or so that I saw heal. So huh. at that time, I didn't have those blood, they identified two new blood vessels for my leg, and also two of my heart. And in that moment, I understood exactly what had happened. I had bypassed the bypass. And I believe that when when the divine understood that I had done just that, he took my bypass out of service. He said, you don't need it anymore. I'm gonna shut it down. And it was in that moment that my doctor, who was the top doctor at Cedars, he was the director of vascular surgery. He's like, well, we, we have to go in and put a new bypass in. And I'm like, well, why? and he said
0: on this evidence why would you
1: yeah He we we don't have another choice he said you, you you you're gonna you need another bypass you don't have blood flow going through with any major artery and I said but you got me at 70 percent through my own vessels that I've built I've created and he said that's true and I said well is it possible if I did all that just doing what I was doing all this at the beach at the time in Huntington Beach California is it possible that But if I moved to the mountains of Arizona, instead of sitting on my beach cruiser riding my bike every day, what if I was hiking, doing some extreme hikes daily, seven days a week, 365? Is it possible that I could build more blood vessels, more blood flow, and I could get that pressure up to 80%? He said, possible. I said, is it possible that I could get it to 90%? He said, yeah, Maybe. He says, oh, but I don't recommend that. He says, I said, what other choice do I have? He says, you know, it's surgery. Mm. And I said, you know, Doc, with all due respect, um, I think I do have another choice. He said, what's that? I said, I could move to the mountains and hike and keep building more blood flow. I said, you know what? I'll get back to you. I'll think about this one. I hung up the phone with my doctor, Doctor Gerwitz, and I called Mary and I said, "Mary, how long do you think it'll take us to pack and you haul it across the border?" And she said, "Oh, about three weeks, across the state line, I should say." And three weeks later, we were here, mm. and I never looked back. I never called the doctor back. I I eventually got off all my pharmaceuticals. I'm drug free today. I'm off of all my drugs. I've self healed nine diagnoses. Um, and today I, I live a life of freedom, true freedom, self free thinking self, not self will, but I have free will today. I unplugged from the TV today. I'm a transformational coach. I hold other people's hands that are sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, living in disease, living in pain, living in addictions, living in a chronic terminal disease. And I share my blueprint with them. I show them how I did it. I, I mentor them and give them the courage that it's possible that they could have a life beyond their wildest dreams.
0: And Jay, you're a living proof of that. You you have completely reinvented yourself at every level. And as you say, you've stepped into true freedom for yourself. So it's just what a fantastic story. Thank you so much for sharing all of you with us today. Before we close, and this is one thing we'll always be doing on Freedom Unlimited is we'll just I'd just like to ask you if there's one piece of advice one thing that anyone who's listening today I mean we've heard this is a five-year journey and for people listening I'd lo- I just would love to encourage you to just know that it just takes one step we've heard of in a short time a very long journey but if there was one thing jay that you would you would suggest for people to perhaps consider on their journey what would that thing be one piece of advice something that works has worked really well for you
1: have the courage and face your whatever fears you have, because no matter what you're facing, you have a choice. You have a choice to either live in pain or feel the pain. Mm. When you feel the pain, you heal. I lived in pain for 54 years of my life and my quality of life was horrible at the end. And my relationships were wounded and uh, I was near death. And so that's a choice to live in pain or feel the pain. And when you feel the pain, it's the gateway to freedom. And it's possible to have, to experience breaking a chain and removing the shackles from which you are living your life today. Just have the courage to start. And when you go through that, beautiful process of coming home to yourself, there is where true freedom is, is when you come home to yourself, who you were born to be, which is free.
0: Absolutely. Free and completely unlimited. And I know that's how you live your life now, Jay, and it's just absolutely all power to you. I do know that when you walk still, you still have pain, but you are living in a completely different paradigm. One of your choice, and it's a life that is just expanding exponentially, very, very quickly. So, you know, thank you very much for your time today. Where should people go if they'd like to find out more about you? What, where would you like them to go to visit and find out more about you?
1: Well, uh, most of my information is through Facebook. On, uh, you could go to um, my name is Jay Rothman or Jay Rothman Life. I also, mm-hmm. if you want to follow one of my shows that uh, we're hoping to bring to network TV uh, in 2020, Real Men, Real Talk Live. If you could find this there, you could also find me on Instagram under Real Men, Real Talk Live or Jay Rothman Live.
0: We'll put all of that in the show notes as well to today. So Jay, I just want to say again, thank you so much for your time, for your sharing, for your heart and for the courage that you have shared with us today, and the sharing with us this this whole journey that you've been on, and it really is. This is this when when I when I talk about freedom unlimited, this is exactly why what I'm talking about, which is why I wanted Jay to be um, on the show because he's living that life. And it's again, it's about finding this freedom within yourself. It's not about something that anyone else can do, but it's something that you can do for yourself, and it can be just a step by step journey. It's just about making a little start today and um, and allowing each day to build upon itself. I think that consistency and showing up for yourself, Jay, that's the other thing you've done consistently is to show up. So I just want to thank you so much for your time and your heart and your courage. So thank you so much for being with us today.
1: You're welcome. And I look forward to uh, to being able to not only give you a virtual hug but Hopefully in 2020 or 2021, um, come visit you in Australia. Hopefully, maybe we'll be on a road. Maybe we'll be touring, yep. touring, uh, showing, showing men especially how it's possible to have freedom.
0: Fantastic. Well, we will be opening. We'll have open arms for you here, Jade. Looking forward to seeing it. Take, Take care. Take care. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Your Freedom Unlimited. If you like this show, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate and review Your Freedom Unlimited on your favourite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments or feedback, you can reach me directly at jenramsey.com. Thanks for listening.